Good morning, Bethel Church. Glad that you're here today joining us. Somebody said that COVID actually stands for Church on Video. So here we are, uh, week number six in the middle of this. But I'm so glad that you're honoring the Lord by being here in this gathering to worship and to serve Jesus. Thank you. You just saw a video clip of the Kowalskis, who are missionaries in Indonesia. They've been there for a number of years, but before that, they were in King County serving at Northwest University. Uh, Wally Kowalski, he was the, one of the professors that taught Bible classes to my son, Blake. Uh, Rosemary, she taught piano lessons to my kids years ago. Wally also played bass guitar, but here they are in Indonesia serving the people there, mostly Muslim people, bringing them to faith in Jesus. And guess what? You and I, we are partners with them. Every time when you give towards missions, you're partnering with this wonderful family serving the Lord thousands of miles away from here. So thank you for being partners with our missionaries. Uh, thanks again for giving. These envelopes are, are coming in every week, almost every day, by people like you who are bringing these by the office or you're sending them in the mail, or even better yet, giving online. That's the probably the best way you can do that. But thank you so much. One woman brought, off, brought this envelope in this last week and she brought a tithe, she brought a missions offering and she even brought extra for our kids when they go to kids camp and kids scholarships. So I wanna say thank you to all of you who are remembering the work of the Lord is continuing to go on even when we're in this shutdown mode. The church is still open and doing great work around the world. So thank you for your continued giving. And I just wanna uh, pray for you in just a minute. As a matter of fact, before I do that, um, we've been talking about invest offerings. Some of you have been asking the question, are we still doing that next Sunday? We have pushed the date for invest offering down to September. We just know that it's a struggle for many of you to give, but many of you have been still saying, I wanna give, I wanna give towards the roof project or in the downtown. Uh, they're giving towards a new lobby, but if you want to give towards the invest offering, thank you for doing that next Sunday would be the typical time where we would do that to give towards our carpeting in our sanctuary and also the new roof. Can I just say this? Almost $20,000 has already been given. So thank you for your faithfulness. And if you can continue to give toward that, just mark it on your envelope and say this is for the invest offering for the roof. Uh, let me just pray with us today. Would you do that? Can I just pray? Father, we pray for people today who are stressed in this moment. They're stressed because of finances, but God, we are gonna ask you to open the windows of heaven. God, we pray that you would open a blessing, and for those who are continuing to trust you in the area of finances, Lord, would you be generous to them as they are generous to you? And for those who have been negatively impacted, God, unemployed or underemployed, Lord, I pray that you lift them up that you strengthen them, that you open the Red Sea to them, and you provide what they need, Father, throughout this pandemic. We ask this in your good name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for that. We're in this series. Today we're ending um, the final message of Psalms 23, and I think it's been a great series. We actually... Um, name this untroubled hearts. Why did we name this untroubled hearts? It comes from Jesus' words in John 14. Don't let or let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. You know, other parts of you might, uh, might be troubled, but don't let, your, don't let it get to your heart. 
That's what Jesus is basically saying. There might be all kinds of circumstances around you that are going on, but Jesus is saying, don't let that affect your heart. Don't let your heart become troubled in these kinds of times. So we look to Psalms 23. It's a great place that, to go because it was a place where David, um, he wrote this, it was a place where David found refuge, understanding that his good shepherd uh, was watching over him, that he, even a fugitive, running for his life, being chased down by Saul, hiding in caves, things weren't going well for David, and he penned this psalm, understanding that the Lord was his good shepherd, watching out for him. So today, we have a little treat for you. We're gonna read it in a minute, but we're gonna ask the kids who have been memorizing this, and great job, parents, and great job, kids, who have sent in these fun videos, memorizing these wonderful words from Psalms 23. So here's the kids to read this for us, and then we're gonna read it aloud together. Let's watch and enjoy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He leads me by still waters. He, he restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness, even for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. Didn't you love that? I love watching kids memorizing God's word, hiding it in their heart. And so kudos to all you kids. Kudos to you parents. I hope you'll keep memorizing that. It's a great, great part of scripture to know. It's quoted um, most uh, many funerals that we do, many other celebrations that we do, and so it's a great scripture to have into your heart. So let's read it aloud together. Would you join me? I've got it on the screen here for us. It's out of the ESV version. Let's read it aloud. The Lord is my shepherd. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows." Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that a great, great comfort? Understanding that Jesus is our good, good shepherd. David wrote this, and I think it has such great impact on us today. John 10, verse 10 says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11 goes on to say, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. These were Jesus' words, and he's basically saying there are thieves who will come and steal and kill and destroy. These thieves 
um, are things that we look to or put our trust in, and they'll come and try to kill, steal, and destroy. They'll come and say, find hope, find refuge in these things, but you will not find refuge or hope or safety or security in anything that the world offers. Those things will come to kill, steal, and destroy. But he says, I have come to give you life and to give it more abundant. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You know, the whole Psalm 23 really wraps up in this verse six. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. You could also replace that word mercy with love, but really what's, what it's saying is that the shepherd has poured out his goodness and his mercy on his sheep. He has given careful attention to the benefit of all of his sheep, to all of us. The shepherd has poured out goodness and mercy to us. You know, he's led us, he's led all of his sheep to good pastures um, where we can have all you can eat, all you can eat pastures, enjoy it. He's led us to still waters where we have bottomless drinks, right? And not only um, bottomless drinks, more than you need to drink, but clean water. The shepherd has led us in paths of righteousness through the avalanches, through places where there's falling rocks, through places where there's predators. He's taken us through places where there's flash floods, poisonous plants. He's used his rod to protect us from the cougar, from the bear, from anything that's trying to harm us. He's used his staff to rescue sheep as they've, as they've wandered away. The good shepherd reaches out to them and keeps them safe. He's poured oil over their heads. Do you remember this last week? Oil over their heads and over their ears and their nose where the flies are trying to irritate by laying eggs there. And, and these worms would come in and they would get right next to the sheep's brain, literally irritating them to the point where they would bang their heads on rocks or trees because they were just driven crazy by flies. The good shepherd would take the oil and he would take that oil to prevent, pour it over the sheep's head completely so it prevents those flies from laying those irritation, irritations into his brain. The shepherd has given good care. He's given good protection He's given good rest, good provision, good food, good comfort. And that's why he's called the good shepherd. The good shepherd. I don't know how many of you feel the goodness and the mercy of the good shepherd today. You know, whether we're aware of it or not, the shepherd has been, he's been paying good attention to you. Not just, not just when your 401k is doing great. Not just when you have a good job or you get a raise it's not when the stocks are up or when the rent's paid, but the good shepherd even is paying attention to you in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of when the rent's not paid, when, the, when you get laid off from your job, when you're not sure what's gonna happen through this health thing and the sickness of COVID-19, even when things aren't going well, when your spouse doesn't remember your anniversary, the good shepherd still remembers you and he's still paying attention to you. It's in times like these, it's difficult to have untroubled hearts, isn't it? Uh, just this other clip that I want to show because this is a, another picture of, of a sheep that has been cast down. Cast down means basically the sheep finds imbalance and somehow gets onto its back. And when the sheep rolls onto its back, it can't get right side up again. This happens actually many times. Here's this sheep 
completely paralyzed. Feet in the air, can't flip itself back over. As a matter of fact, these sheep many times, because they're top heavy, many times it's the pregnant sheep. They have extra weight or uh, for, for whatever reason, they hit a hole or a ditch and they turn over and here they are completely paralyzed and they need someone the good shepherd, to actually literally roll them back over onto their feet. Sometimes a sheep will do that many times a week. I don't know about you. Have you felt downcast? Have you felt upside down? Maybe even more than once this week or more than once in a day? And the good shepherd is the one who comes to flip us right side up again. He's always chasing after us. He doesn't, aren't you glad he doesn't give up on you? Aren't you glad you have a shepherd that pays attention to you even when you're downcast? These sheep would die. Literally within hours, they could die and perish when they're cast down, when they're upside down. They require a good shepherd. That's how Jesus is. Jesus pursues us, the good shepherd, to make sure that we are right side up pulling us from danger, freeing us from whatever we get stuck in, in in, in a variety of ways that that we find ourselves cast down, flipped upside down in our world, in our environment, in your home even. You can be stuck. Have you felt stuck? And I love what John 10, 11 says. Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd, he will pursue you, he chases you, even if it means leaving the 99 sheep that are home, that are doing well, he comes chasing after the one that he knows is missing or is in trouble. And if that's you, he's chasing after you. And you know what it says? It says when he finds you, he throws a party. He gathers everyone together and he celebrates that the lost lamb or the one that was downcast has been righted up, has been right-sided up, and is returned, is found. What does this all mean for us? And what is this purpose of his goodness and love toward us? What does that mean? And here's what we should know today. Just as God's goodness and mercy follow us, it comes to us, God's goodness and mercy should also flow from us, should also follow us. 1 John 3.16 says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We know that sheep left to themselves, left to themselves, we talked about this a few weeks ago, sheep will destroy a, a, a pasture. They'll eat everything within sight and they'll even go deeper and destroy even the roots of the, of the grass below their feet. They'll destroy it. They'll turn it into a wasteland if left by themselves. They'll drink contaminated water from mud puddles that are full of parasites, full of worms. They'll wander off. They'll eat that white camas that we talked about last week, which is really mountain death. It's that little white flower. It's poisonous. They'll eat it and they'll die. They will perish. They'll completely devastate a field if left unattended to. But did you know that sheep that are under good management, that have a good shepherd that's paying attention to them, are the most beneficial of all livestock to a piece of property? 
Their manure is the best balanced of any domestic stock. How about that? Did you know that? And when scattered efficiently over the pasture, it proves an enormous benefit to the soil. Sheep are always improving the, the fertility of the higher places. They, they eat down here below and then they go up and they wander up into those high plateaus and they bring that fertility. They improve the land that the sheep graze on. They'll eat all sorts of weeds. Did you know they'll eat the undesirable plants that might otherwise invade a field? For example, they'll eat buds and tips of, of Canada thistle. Canada thistle is horrible to a property, but sheep will, will eat that horrible weed because if not, it'll control the, the field. It'll take over the field. Sheep and goats are often, you probably know this, they're often purchased just to improve the property, to clear the invasive brush, such as blackberries. So sheep, when they have a shepherd, when they are under good management, are the best for property and the best for, for land. As a matter of fact, ancient literature, sheep were referred to as those of the golden hooves because they were regarded so highly and so beneficial for the land. So sheep that are managed well will convert pathetic wastelands into flourishing fields if they're managed well. In other words, goodness and mercy should follow sheep. Goodness and mercy should follow. Sheep restore fields, they improve the fields, they raise productivity and fertility in foods and fields. So when properly managed, sheep should leave behind beauty and abundance. Goodness and mercy should follow us. Goodness and mercy. So here's the question for you and me today. What follows you? What follows you? If you're a sheep, if this is true that you and I are both sheep, what follows me and what follows you? Do you leave, what do you leave behind? Do you leave a blessing for others after you speak with them? Do, what kind of words do you leave on your posts on Facebook, Instagram? What are you depositing into those who come along behind you, people who walk behind you? What impact do you leave on those who read your posts, your comments, your blogs? Do you leave a trail of sadness or madness? Do you leave a trail of badness or gladness? Is goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life? Is your life a pleasure or a pain to people around you? We have these wood floors in our dining room and we notice that these floors were having these scratches and then you can see in this picture, you can see past the shoe, you see these scratches and we notice these were pretty severe scratches and we were trying to figure out what's happening, what's, what's causing these. Of course, you can see my tennis shoe here, but little did I know on the bottom side of my tennis shoe is this little crack in these shoes that were designed to have those little cracks, but those little cracks pick up these small little stones. And look at this little stone. It doesn't look like much at all, but you can see it here embedded into the bottom of my tennis shoe is a small little stone that when I would walk into that floor and on top of that wood floor, that nice finished floor, 
That that small little stone could leave the, the largest and the greatest damage scratching behind me. See, if I wasn't careful in carelessness, carelessness is sometimes our greatest enemy. We're just careless. We're unthoughtful. We don't pay attention sometimes. We don't pay attention to the words or the attitudes or our behaviors, and sometimes it can take just something so small like a piece of gravel, one little word, one little sentence, one little post, one text, and we can damage somebody so deeply because of carelessness because of unthoughtfulness or unattentive behavior, and we can damage a relationship beyond repair. Bridges have been burnt. Bridges have been burnt because of words. We burn valuable bridges all the time because we just couldn't keep our mouth shut, or we just had no regard, or we were careless. We couldn't stop ourselves from writing that comment. We couldn't help ourselves from sending that text message. Have you ever done that? I know I have. We've been unfriended and uninvited because we needed to be right. So what follows you? What are you leaving behind you? Wives will give up on husbands because cherishing didn't follow him. And Husbands will give up on wives because respect didn't follow her. Children will, will give up on parents because nurturing didn't follow either of them. And bridges burn behind us all the time because of our behaviors that follow us. Does peace follow you or turmoil? Does forgiveness follow you or does bitterness are you a person that's content or a person who is envious? Are you a person of understanding or judgment? Love or anger? Does criticism follow you or compassion follow you? Are you able to overlook faults, uh, overlook those who oppose maybe politically viewpoints than you and you are willing to overlook those rather than cast judgment Believers, I believe, should never burn bridges. We should always be able to return to places where we lived. We should never have to avoid people in restaurants or avoid people in grocery stores because we burned a bridge and now we can't look them in the eye. That's a sign that I damaged somebody, that I hurt somebody. What follows you? What does love require of us? I love the scripture in Isaiah 52, seven. Some of you have heard it before, but let me just read it out of the New Living Translation. It says this, how beautiful on the mountains, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. How beautiful are the feet. In other words, those who partner with God to bring the good news. We're part, we are partnering with God when we bring salvation, when we bring hope, when we bring encouragement. The Bible refers to us as those with beautiful feet who bring good encouragement, who bring the gospel, who bring Jesus into people's lives. It's a picture of a guy by the name of David 
Livingstone, he was, grew up in Scotland. He felt at a young age to be a missionary, uh, went to medical school even, and then he, he made it his mission to go into the heart of Africa and travel con- you know, uh, country by country, village by village, to abolish slavery at that time. Uh, 1850s, 1860s is where he, he spent most of his, his time, and um, he, he, he was this British hero. As a matter of fact, he was well known for his intellect. He went into that, into that nation to say, there's a better way for you. His message was, of course, bringing Jesus, but he was saying, there's a better way than slavery. There's a better way, and so he really wanted to pursue what the source of the Nile River was. And he thought if he could bring education to these people and show them a better way of life, a better way to use the resources of their land, then they wouldn't have to give in to slavery. It's a pretty powerful story if you do any history on him. I was reading a little bit of his biography this last week, and he said this. He said, the Nile sources are valuable only as a means of opening my mouth with power among men. It is this power with which I hope to remedy an immense evil. In other words, he hoped to get rid of slavery, the idea of abolishing people who were mistreated. And his goal was to bring the gospel to that group of people. Well, it cost him dearly to do that, and he sacrificed it all. He spent three journeys there, three missionary journeys. His wife came to visit him at one of those journeys and she actually caught malaria and she died from that. He was left alone. But he continued to pursue his dream and he became one of the well-known men of that time, a hero really from Britain and from Scotland. News traveled to America about this man, David Livingstone, Dr. David, who was doing such a great work in Africa and there was a, actually there was um, a media, the, the media heard about it, and there was a gentleman who went over there, and he was a reporter who went over there to, to find Dr. Livingstone and to meet him and to congratulate him, and he took this own little group over there, and finally he found him after searching for actually years in the jungles of Africa. He meets him, and here's a picture of David with uh, Henry Stanley. This was this journalist, and thus we have this famous statement. When he finally meets him, he goes, Dr. Livingstone, I presume. Some of you have heard that. That famous Dr. Livingstone, I presume. And that came from this meeting where finally this reporter travels over there to meet this famous guy who had made such a difference throughout Africa. You know, in front of David was, was a, a land that w- was full of thistles. It was full of danger. It was full of injustice, ideas of slavery. And what David Livingstone thought, I can make a difference. I want something different, and I'm going to go there to see if I can bring the gospel, the good news. How beautiful are the feet of David Livingstone, who brought good news David went to till up the ground of slavery and to till up the ground of injustice. It kind of reminded me of this week when I was tilling up the ground at home, around our home to get ready for a garden and I'm thinking about what it really looks like for our feet to till up the ground, to, 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 
Here's a picture here that might help. This is what David was really doing with his life. David Livingstone. He was tilling up the hard hearts of those Africans. He was showing them a new way for humanity. And Christ followers, we are to turn things upside down, right side up. We're to right them. We look for ways to, to bring the gospel into people's lives. Turmoil is always in front of us. Bitterness is in front of us. But peace is what should follow us. Forgiveness should follow us. Envy is in front of us, but contentment is what should follow us. Anger is in front of us, but love should follow us. We are those sheep who change the environment. We eat the weeds and we fertilize the ground. And that's the picture of what a rototiller is doing is that we, what we see in front of us is not the ground we want to leave behind us. As believers, we want to till up that ground. We want to leave Lewis County a different place than how we found it. Many of you are doing that, and I'm so grateful for Bethel Church and the effort that you are making all across our community when we do lunches, when we do the shelter, when we do the bike shop, all of the ways that you're serving, you're tilling up the ground. You're becoming sheep who say, I've received love, I've received goodness and mercy. Now let goodness and mercy follow me in the house forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me just finish with this. This is this final phrase of Psalms 23. Goodness and mercy come to me and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Psalms ends with this wonderful thought. You know, but dwelling in the house, it doesn't, what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean to be a household pet or a homebody sheep like we see in this picture of this sheep who has been brought into the home. It's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about being comfortable where we always stay at home. It's not a homebody. It's not sheltered at home. It's not home alone. Uh, we all know, as we've been talking, that sheep have to be moved by the shepherd. The journey of a sheep doesn't happen at a home or a nice, comfortable pasture. The journey of a sheep has to go up through some terrible ravines, through the valley of the shadow of death. To get to the high meadows, it has to go through these dark and steep places. Look at how steep these places are. These sheep have to travel. And the shepherd knows to get them up to the plateau, I have to move them through these dangerous places. So it is with us. So what does it mean to be in the house of the Lord forever? Well, house refers to household or flock of the good shepherd. It's not talking about a home, it's talking about to be a part of the body, the family. We are those who have been called to be a part of the shepherd's family. He purchased us, we bear his mark. He's our shepherd and we're part of his good flock. Isn't that good? We're part of that. So we're part of his family. We should be like, I've seen some pictures of people who have these almost sheep as their, as their pets. They're part of the family. They have a name. They've been purchased. And I was noticing this gentleman, how much he loves the sheep. And he just cares for the sheep. Part of the family. That's 
what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, we don't want to be anywhere else. We want to be. We don't want to wander off. We're glad. We're thankful to be a part of this good family where the good shepherd takes care of us. There's a story in the, in the, in the last part of this book. I've really been enjoying this. Uh, shepherd looks at Psalms 23, Philip Keller, and he shares this story. And rather than me read it, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you because he was a shepherd. He had a a shepherd ranch right next to another um, sheep herder there. And he always looked over across the fence and the sheep across the fence were scrawny. They were not well taken care of. His pastures were green and luscious. He had a heart for his sheep, but he always felt bad for the sheep that were across the fence. Matter of fact, both of these, these ranches were next to the ocean and he tells, he tells a story one time when the tide got out, three of the sheep from the next door ranch got out into, were, were able to cross the fence when the tide got out and they were able to go around the end of the fence and into his pasture and they were enjoying his pasture. But he knew he couldn't keep them. They didn't belong to him. They didn't have his mark. So he had to gather up those three little ewes and he had to put them in the wheelbarrow and he wheeled them back over to the owner next door who he knew did not have much regard for his sheep. He didn't keep good care or good, uh, pay good attention to his sheep. So he takes these three back to the owner, says, I'm sorry, these are not mine, they belong to you. And you know what the owner did? The owner said, thank you very much. He goes in and he took a knife, he comes out and he slit their throat one by one and there they bled out without any regard Aren't you glad the good shepherd doesn't do that with us? See, the thing is that as, even as much as he cared about those sheep, those sheep didn't belong to him. He couldn't keep those sheep. Those sheep had not come in through the right gate. They had come in by coming around the fence. They didn't bear his mark. And so it is that we know in John 10, 9, listen to what this says. It says, I am the door, or I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pleasure. Those are Jesus' words. You have to come in the gate. You have to come in the right gate. There's only one gate, and that is Jesus. He is the only gate. Yeah, there's another sheep herder out there, and his name is Satan, who is heartless. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about any other sheep, but he is heartless. But Jesus is the one who cares about those who are broken, those who are cast upside down, those who are feeling lonely, those who are distraught. He cares about those who wander off and get lost, and he pursues you. And I don't know how you feel today. I don't know where you are today. You might feel cast down. You might feel lost. You might feel broken today. You might feel very, very lonely isolated. Can I just tell you this? The good shepherd has paying attention to you. He loves you. He is pursuing you today. And I'm going to invite you today to open up your heart to him. And if you, especially if you haven't in a while, I'm going to invite you to open up your heart to him and invite him in. As a matter of fact, he says, I knock at the door of your heart 
And if you open up, I will come in and I'll be your good shepherd. In a moment, we're going to take communion where Jesus said, I have come to give my life, the shepherd, I have given my life for you. That's exactly what Jesus did. Would you pray with me today? And would you receive the care of the good shepherd and open up your heart today to him who cares so much for you? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that we can trust you, that you still have a plan for us. We pray, God, that we would be willing to be led to the green pastures, be willing to be led by the still waters, because there you restore our soul. You've prepared a table for us. You are willing to take us on paths of righteousness. Sometimes they're dangerous paths. Sometimes they're difficult paths. But you are there. And when the enemy tries, the predators come. Lord, you defeat him with your own staff and your rod. Thank you that you are our protector as well as our provider. Thank you, Lord, that you anoint our heads with oil. You, you remove the irritations from our mind. Those flies that try to lay eggs. Those seeds that come from even negative media or other places. Thank you, Lord, that you calm the irritations in our minds and our hearts. So Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd who laid your life down for us. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus, that you took that cup and you took that bread and you said these will represent my body that's broke for you and you took the bread and you broke it thank you that you did the same with the cup that when you shared that cup you said this is my blood shed for you and in a moment lord when we take that i pray that our hearts and our faces would light up with gratitude for what you have done for us that we would declare, I am so grateful to be a part of this great flock. I am so glad. And may surely and goodness, may surely goodness and mercy and love follow me all the days of my life. And may we dwell in your house forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship as we prepare for communion today.